You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Saturday, January 16th. And I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PVH, how you feeling today, my friend? I am well, buddy. Good, good, good to be with you. you. Very well, thank you. Uh, we are also joined by contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the 216? All good in the 216, boys. It's been a long week, but you know what? The Browns are in, like playing Kansas City tomorrow, so it's all, all right. good in 216. Everybody's got a little bit of buzz about it. All right, that's a nice consolation. Finally, we are thrilled to welcome back our good friend Rob Elia from just north of me here in the Bay Area. Mr. Elia, great to have you back today. How you doing, buddy? I'm very happy to be back. It uh, quite uh, shows that uh, I didn't screw up the last time, so thank you for having me back. It's uh, a testament to... Uh, to you and your generosity of having me here. So thanks so much. <laughs> I think you're selling Time. yourself a little short there, buddy. It's great to have you back. You were fantastic <laughs> on the last pod. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, the final score, as we all know, painfully, from Miami Gardens in Hard Rock Stadium on Monday evening, Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. The Crimson Tide are your 2020 national champions. That is their third national title of the playoff era. I mean, hey, look, until about the five-minute mark of the second quarter, I think it was the game most of us expected. Back and forth, and Bama led 21-17 with 5-21 to play before halftime. And then within the span of about three and a half minutes, the Crimson Tide scored 14 unanswered to take a 35-17 lead in the locker room. And that was pretty much your ball game. Heisman winner Devontae Smith went berserk with 12 receptions for 215 yards and three touchdowns all in the first half. Now, he would have to leave the game early in the third quarter with a dislocated finger and did not return. Alabama quarterback Mac Jones finished with 464 yards passing and five touchdowns. And running back Najee Harris would finish with 158 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns. Now, the Ohio State defense, which was forced to play without its top interior pass rusher and Tommy Togiai and top edge rusher Tyreek Smith because of COVID, was pretty much powerless to stop the Bama offense, which moved the ball at will even after Devontae Smith was forced to leave the game. The Ohio State offense took a huge gut punch on the second play from scrimmage when running back Trey Sermon injured his shoulder and did not return. Sermon's backup in the Sugar Bowl, Mayan Williams, was also not available because of COVID. And at that point, I mean, let's face it, Ryan Day might as well have set his, half his playbook on fire. The Buckeyes were forced to turn to Master Teague at running back, who himself was coming off an injury, and Marcus Crowley, who did not have a carry this season before Monday night. Now, Teague finished with a respectable 65 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns, but really was not much of a factor in this game. And without the threat of a running game, the Bama defense was able to really key on Justin Fields and limit him to just 194 yards passing and one touchdown. Fields was also Ohio State's leading rusher on Monday night with 67 yards on six carries. Chris Olave led the Buckeyes in receiving with eight receptions and 69 yards. Now, I mostly avoided Twitter and any post-game analyses on Tuesday and, and most of Wednesday, but I did see a couple of headlines that kind of made my eyes roll, like, where does Ohio State go from here? And can anybody catch Bama? Actually, that's why I really I want to start here, boys. I'd like to go around the horn here and get your thoughts on what transpired on, on Monday night, but from a 
bigger kind of broader perspective. Rob, I want to start with you. What did that result, Bama 52, Ohio State 24, tell us? Well, first of all, I think you got to step back and say, you know, there's 130 FBS teams and there's 128 that wish they were Ohio State. So with all the doom and gloom of losing that game, you got to realize that uh, they got to the game. And um, it was a journey. They beat Clemson, and there's a lot of things to to be happy about. Um, So all of this, uh, looking at how do you compare with Alabama and and what's their future, um, it was uh, they got there in the first place, which I don't think you can discount. That said, I think um, that Alabama team and college football in general is just becoming such a passing-centric offense that we have to figure out a way to address that. And that was the glaring weakness throughout that game. So, um, I mean, that's my big takeaway. I think you could bounce it around here, but, uh, you know, the secondary, we lost a lot last year with Akuda Arnett and Fuller all going to the NFL. Uh, that drop off was huge. Hasley leaving was huge. Yeah. So, you know, Kerry Coombs has got to figure out, uh, one of the stats that I saw, we were 122 in passing defense this year Terrible. out of 130 teams. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just dreadful. And, you know, that's just not going to get it done. It's going to get it done against uh, the, the Northwesterns of the world. It'll get it done against Michigan when we get to play them again. But it's not going to get it done uh, against a team like Alabama. That's true. You know, Paige had pointed out a couple of months ago on the pod that not only did we lose Okuda, Wade, and Fuller to the NFL, but during the offseason, we also lost Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wind, who were kicked off the team, right? They, they definitely would have factored into the secondary this season. And then Brendan White, he was the Rose Bowl MVP. He transfers to Rutgers, and then you lose Cam Brown to a torn Achilles against Penn State. It's no wonder Ohio State really struggled in the secondary. I mean, they were really a patchwork secondary, I think. Paige, give us your big picture take on what you saw. You know, it's funny because um, my friend Kevin came over and watched the game. So it was Juan, myself, Drew, right? We're Ohio State guys, but Kevin's from Colorado and went to see you. And his whole take was, guys, I'd give my left nut to be you guys, right? <laughs> you know, so exactly like Rob said, it does it, did it suck in the moment? Yeah, it totally sucked. But um, I think just having that perspective that, you know, we're there, um, they didn't get it done. Um, you know, I, I've, I've vacillated between, you know, if we were full strength and, you know, if Sermon doesn't get hurt and I don't know, I still don't think we're probably winning that game. I mean, it, it full, full boat capacity, I, Bama's probably winning that game seven out of 10. Right. Um, so, you know, big picture, you know, before we get on the pod, like you're like, yeah, I was pretty bummed out for about 36 hours. I was bummed out for about, I don't know, two hours. Um, <laughs> last year against Clemson, I was bummed out. Like it, it was like the old Cooper days, right? That's how bummed <laughs> I, like it didn't even approach, um, last year to me, I kind of felt like, Hey, that was house money. We, you know, yeah. um, I do think you need to close those games out, um, when you get the opportunity, but they didn't do it. But it, to me, it, it, you know, it, it kind of felt like house money and Bama was the better team. Um, I think you sent out some text and you know all those guys came back i actually hadn't realized those guys all decided to come back and you know so on paper you're just you know Devonte smith and leatherwood and I, I just don't think you're beating that team it was their year mm-hmm. we ran into a buzzsaw 
you know, so we had some things going against us and then it just got away from them. Chad, what do you think? Anyone out there like, you know, reading the headlines and Ryan Day, that's all bullshit, man. Ryan Day knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah. I mean, the guy is solid. I mean, look at the recruiting class. And, and I don't like, I, you know, and I'm not one to sit around here and make excuses. I'm not going to say who we lost, this and that. But I'm going to tell you what, there was a fluidity like problem that we had. And there was more of Justin was hurt worse than led on to be, hmm. obviously. I think he saw it on his, like the first first throw. He didn't, you know what I mean? He, he had some winching. And, you know, you got Trey who went down the very first play, which was so like, Ted Ginesque from, yeah. you know, two years back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just, it is what it is, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, putting it behind us. You know what? We didn't even think we were going to be playing football. You know what? That's true. We beat fucking Davo. That's really, yeah. you know, yes, what I like to, like, what I like to see the trophy being held up by Ryan and Fields. And yes, oh, hell yes. But, you know, we got beat by the better team. Um, at least on that particular night, and we beat Debo. Yeah. Um, and so I'm happy. I'm looking forward to 21, man. Yeah, that that the win over Clemson was a really nice consolation. And and in this postseason format, it's different from 2006 and 2007, right? When we we went through a pretty soft Big Ten schedule, dominated everybody. There was no conference title game, and then you you go straight to the national championship game, get your ass handed to you by Florida and then by LSU. And coming out of both of those games, I think there were some long term concerns about you know, how Ohio State was operating, how they were recruiting, their approach to the game. They just weren't going to be able to compete with the SEC at that stage. So it was very eye-opening. But with this format, you play another top team in a semifinal game. If you can win that, which Ohio State did, and they did it convincingly, you know, that's something to really hang your hat on. And I think it takes a little bit of the sting out of the loss to Bama, which, which is nice. What the college football playoff has shown us these last three seasons, and I said this over text to you guys, is sometimes you're the hammer and sometimes you're the nail. And we were the hammer against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, and we were the nail on Monday night against Bama. Look, hats off to Bama. They were great, that offense in particular. But it's also worth pointing out that the juniors and seniors who suited up for Bama on Monday night were also part of a team that lost by four touchdowns in the national championship game to Clemson just two years ago. And Clemson, was hammered in the national championship game last season by LSU. Now, did those title game blowout losses change anybody's view of Bama or Clemson? No. I mean, we all felt like, no, those are still the two top programs in the country. And nor should this result change our view of Ohio State as one of the top three programs in college football. And, and I think Monday night was just, I said this over text to you guys, it was the perfect confluence of a great Bama team playing at its absolute zenith and an Ohio State team that was pretty significantly diminished and that's how you get 52-24. I mean, we talked about in the preview pod how it was imperative that the Ohio State offense keep pace with the Bama offense. Ohio State's a running team. They run the ball more than 60% of the time. That, that was the case this year. It was also the case last year with J.K. Dobbins. And much of the downfield passing game comes off of play action. So losing Sermon after only one carry meant that, you know, Ohio State was basically, they, they had, you know, they had one arm tied behind their back for the rest of the night. We also talked about how in the preview pod, Ohio State's only real shot of slowing down the Bama offense was to get pressure on Mac Jones. Now, according to Pro Football Focus going into Monday night, Ohio State's top interior pass rusher was Tommy Togiai and top edge rusher was Tyreek Smith. They were number one and number two on the Ohio State defense in QB pressures. 
We were without those guys because of COVID. They were also, by the way, Ohio State's top two graded defenders against Clemson. So they were both playing really well at the right time. And you don't have either of those guys. So huge losses. We weren't able to get the pressure we needed to get. So I don't think you read too much into this result going forward. One more point I want to make, Paige. You mentioned the kind of the what a unicorn this Bama team was in that it got players like Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, and Devontae Smith, who all would have been first round picks last year to come back as seniors. You think about it, that would have been like Ohio State getting Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and J.K. Dobbins to come back, right? Because all, all those kids came in with the 2017 class. So, you know, it was, again, a very special Bama team. And you don't want to read much beyond this result into, you know, next season, I don't think. Let's pull back the lens here and and just have a look at the 2020 season as a whole. I want to go around the horn and get a grade on a scale of A to F. I want to get a grade from each of you on the 2020 season. Chad, I want to start with you. How would you grade the 2020 season for the Ohio State Buckeyes? I'm going to have to go with an A minus, man. All right. And I like and the reason I'm giving the minus is because of the uh, the defeat to Alabama. Right. And maybe that pass defense. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. my God. <laughs> Don't get me started. Rob, how about you? How would you grade the 2020 Ohio State Buckeyes? Well, I, you know, I touched on it earlier. I think we, uh, we're just glad as fans to have a season, right? So the fact that the guys were out there and competing and we got to watch it uh, was a success. And unless you're one of those folks that are national championship or bust, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have a – a different opinion on things. I, I particularly are not one of those things, those, those type of people. Um, I, I think that, you know, getting to the playoffs is obviously a goal, but winning it all is just such a challenge. So for me, you know, having the season, winning the big 10 conference, making it to the playoffs, beating Clemson was such a huge monkey off this team's back. Huge. Um, and then having the opportunity to win it all. I think, you know, there's a lot of success here. Uh, you know, losing to Alabama stings. Uh, I, losing the opportunity to beat Michigan stands. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would have loved that game. Yeah. And so there's a, you know some things that I look back in the season that uh, that you didn't have opportunities to either compete in or uh, a lack of success in the national championship game. So you know, they didn't play enough games, and it would have been nice to see them a little bit more. So I'm 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 on the A minus bandwagon as well. I think uh, it'd be hard to say an A unless you win it all. But uh, you know. A lot of success, and I'm very happy with with this team. PVH? Yeah, same. I mean, I I am a solid A, simply for the reason that we got to watch some football. I mean, we came dangerously close to, you know, the last pass that Justin Fields is ever throwing was the interception, you know, against Clemson last year. I mean, that was a total reality for us. The fact that they did what they did, you know, and – Playing some football, you know, I mean, every week was a roller coaster. Yeah. Monday night was, it sucked, but still we were there. It was fun. I enjoyed every freaking minute of this season. Yeah. There's some things, you know, that that team, you know, just schematically and personnel wise, obviously that needs to be addressed, but I'll, I'll take that season, you know, in a pandemic every day of the year. I mean, it, it was, it was fun. It was really great to have it. It was a nice distraction. Um, and like I said, last year I was super bummed out because I thought we were the better team. We mm-hmm. should have won that game. 
I'd taken my chances against LSU. Watching Alabama, you're just like, they're the better team. Yeah. They just are. Even with the other, you know, Trey Sermon and, you know, going down killed us and, you know, not having Togi Ian Smith, but it was apparent, like you said, mid second quarter. Um, we're hanging on for dear life <laughs> and just let it go, right? And yeah. enjoy it. You know, although I'm assuming we all probably turned the game off mid third quarter. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it in a pandemic every, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, navigating the strictest COVID protocols in the FBS to win a fourth straight outright Big Ten championship earn a huge blowout over Clemson, get that monkey off our back, Rob, as you've said. I don't know how it could be anything less than an A. I, I'm with you, yeah. PBH. That win over Clemson, I mean, that was one of the most satisfying Ohio State wins in my lifetime. That was just so, yeah. so satisfying. It felt like we won a championship. And, and I do think you can take something from that. I think you earned something there, even if it wasn't a championship. And, and again, no excuses, right? right. And, but you mentioned it, right? The strictest... COVID protocols. Very strict. Um, it's a statistical fucking impossibility that Alabama had nobody else for that game. <laughs> I mean, right. come on, COVID's everywhere, right? Right. And you're telling me you don't have, but whatever. It's just, it just goes to show the un, sort of uneven, you know, playing field that a high state was dealing with. They but really it's were. kind of comical. Like, it's an impossibility. It, it, it couldn't have happened, right. right? I mean, you have 140, you know, players and staff, not one guy, right? Test. I mean, they quit testing probably back around Christmas. <laughs> if not before. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I mean, when it came to COVID, it was not a level playing field and the conferences were all playing by different rules. I was really surprised that the college football playoff did not have its own COVID protocols. I thought that was a big swing and a miss by the college football playoff. I think they could have easily insisted on that. I really do. It, it, Ohio State would have had a justification to play by those protocols because they were no longer playing in the Big Ten. But as you say, you know, if Togi and Smith do play, with what I saw on the field that night, Bama was not going to be denied. But it could have been a much closer game and, and a result maybe we all felt a little bit better about. By the way, Rob, I'm with you. I'm not one of those fans where the, the only measure of a great season is winning a national championship. I think you'll be miserable of a, as a fan if that's your the way you look at it. And winning titles is so hard. This Ohio State program is as well positioned as any to contend for national titles in the years to come. I really believe that. And the other cool thing about the season oh right, is to see a player like Haskell Garrett overcome a gunshot wound to his face in the offseason and become one of the best defensive tackles in the country. And how about Trey Sermon's improbable transformation into a star running back? I mean, breaking Eddie George's single game rushing record in the Big Ten title game to get Ohio State to the yeah, playoffs. Amazing. I mean, how great was that? And then how about Justin Fields' gutsy performance against Clemson? That was one of the greatest performances in program history. You know, we were dazzled all season long by the Fields, Olave, Wilson, combo in the passing game. So there was a ton to love about this season. I'm giving the Buckeyes an A. That was awesome. And I think the future is very bright. Guys, anything else you want to say looking back at the 2020 season? Okay. Let's have a peek. We don't have to spend too much time doing this, but I think it would be fun just to have a peek at what Ohio State has coming back. Now, the uh, the results are still coming in of, of uh, player decisions going to the NFL, but we know at this point that Sean Wade and Josh Myers have already declared for the NFL. 
We also expect Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, and Chris Olave to declare in the coming days. I believe the deadline is Monday the 18th. But we got some good news today. Left tackle Thayer Mumford has just announced he'll be coming back. And we're also hearing yeah. from pretty good sources that seniors Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai, Tyreek Smith, and Jeremy Ruckert will all likely be back. Now, that's not official yet, but it, all signs seem to be pointing to that. That would also be huge. I haven't heard, guys, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I haven't gotten any indication that first-year starters who are you know, technically draft eligible, like Nicholas Petit Ferrer and Seven Banks, are thinking about leaving. I, I think we, we can all agree those guys are probably going to be back as well. If all these guys coming back come to fruition, then your starting defensive line in 2021 is likely Smith, Garrett, Togiai, and Zach Harrison, with Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste rotating in at defensive end. And then one would expect incoming freshman defensive end Jack Sawyer, the number four overall player in the 2021 class to play significantly. So why don't we start there? Let's just have a peek at the Ohio State defense. We, I think we feel pretty good about the defensive line, but we've got some major questions, I think, at linebacker and in the secondary. Rob, I'm going to start with you. What are you expecting out of the Ohio State defense in 2021? Well, hopefully some better pass defense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't think it can be understated the lack of, um, you know, the lack of reps that these kids have had, whether it's game reps, whether it's practice reps. I mean, COVID just destroyed any of the ability for, particularly for a first year coach. Right. Uh, you've got Coombs coming in, trying to implement a defense that was a change from Halfley. Uh, I, and I don't think that could be understated. Right. Uh, losing Cam Brown right in the beginning of the year was impactful. So it's going to be getting these young kids that we know have talent. We know that they can play. They just need to get out there and start doing it. So I'm, I'm very optimistic on this, on this secondary. When you have a guy like Lathan Ransom who came in at the end of the year, yeah. got some reps, looks solid. Um, you know, Josh Proctor is going to be a starter again. Seven Banks, I, I think he got better. As I the don't year. know about that. <laughs> Progress. You don't think so? I do. I, don't know, I do man. too. I, yeah. I, he, I, don't know. I, I think Proctor's a starter. Yeah, I thought he got better. Yeah. Can't tackle worth a I shit. Sorry, Ari. Sorry. <laughs> oh, please. I like the, I like the, the back and forth. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> but I think these are young guys that need just reps. Um, and so I, I do think the future is bright on the, on the secondary side. I, I, I my question is going to be on coaching aspect of it. And are right. we in the right uh, defensive alignment? I didn't like a lot of things that we did alignment wise against, against Alabama. Mm -hmm. So I think from a coaching aspect, there was a, a bit of an out coaching that was going on. Uh, Sarkeesian had an ability just to tear us apart and that wasn't just players. It was, it was coaching. So I, I hopefully there's a bit of reflection there on the coaching staff of, of how to put these guys in uh, opportunities to succeed versus opportunities that uh, just lead to failure. Chad, before I kick it to you, I just wanted to comment on a couple of things that Rob had said. The scheme, yeah, there, Combs and Day got a lot of heat for continuing to play that cover three single high safety shell, which is vulnerable to those throws underneath to, to the way Bama likes to throw on RPOs and so forth, not really mixing up their coverages. Uh, but I don't know that they had the personnel to, to mix up their coverages. And I'm not sure they're going to have the personnel to play that cover three single high safety shell going into next year. So that is something that maybe they reevaluate. They're going to play more with two safeties. Chad, okay. Sounds like you've got some opinions about the high state secondary. What are your thoughts? You know how I get about like, you know, 
personnel, things of that nature. I mean, we all know that Sarky Stark was playing chess and Combs was playing checkers on, <laughs> on, on, you know, Monday night. But you've got guys that, you know what, and, and you know, to take a little bit of like that full core pressure I put on Proctor back a little bit. Uh, if you go back, what was it, uh, two or three, like maybe three or four years ago, we were like, what the hell is wrong with this team, man? They can't tackle. Well, they got that figured. I think Proctor could probably – you know, get that worked on uh, in the off season, spring, and over the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kid can hit; he just can't tackle. He just doesn't wrap up. Mm-hmm. But on the on, on the side note of that, you've got Ronnie Hickman, and yes, these guys have got to get playing time. If they're four or five stars, gonna you've got Hickman, uh, Court Williams is going to be a baller coming off an Banks ACL there. though. Got, Court Williams yeah, coming off an ACL. I think he factors in more linebacker right. than he does in the secondary. But sorry, go ahead. But you got, you know, Cameron Martinez, Ryan Watts, you know, uh, Brown's kind of going to be back. Zavejas, uh, like uh, Ari mentioned. Cavazos. And then you've got yeah. some, yeah, Cavazos. I never say his name right. But you've got, <laughs> you've got a couple young kids coming in that uh, are going to try to hedge their way in there at some point in that rotation yeah. with Jordan Hancock, who was the number four, and you know, Kalen Johnson. Johnson, who was the number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our defensive line, man, is it's loaded. I mean, it's loaded. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about our linebackers either. I, I mean, we've got Mitch Melton, these kids. Yes, I know the you and I talk about that they haven't seen real playing time, but you know, I, I've noticed on so many other teams that the young studs, you know, some of them always don't pan out, but some of these young studs are coming in and getting time as you know freshmen, and then they're making a difference. And we have some of these guys that are going to be sophomores that I think have the potential to be difference makers. PVH, what are your thoughts on the Ohio State defense in 2021? What are you expecting? Uh, I expect them to be better. Like Rob said, it, you know, I mean, I don't want to be negative, but it's not acceptable to be in the hundreds in any statistical category if you're Ohio State. I, I agree. Care. I agree. Um, so they have to be better. I think they will be better. I think, you know, who knows? It's, you know, they did lose a lot of guys, uh, you know, as you guys were talking, I was just thinking to myself, like, would that game have mattered if Akuda was still on that team, mm-hmm. you know, trying to defend Smith? I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Um, you know, and the other thing that's out there, who knows who's in the portal? That's right. right? Who, can, who can day go pick? And, you know, and I think it'll be interesting um to see if he does that right because then he's seen something because we're not there right obviously on practice like i've got to go address this problem i don't have the personnel maybe he does and and if he doesn't go pluck some kids off the portal then i think you would have to think that he thinks he's got the horses to correct the problem for next year but i i mean they're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine we'll be better we have to be better um and i fully expect it Let's tally up what we have in the secondary. So Seven Banks will be a starter at corner. Josh Proctor is going to be starter at safety. Now it depends on whether or not they play with two safeties. Personally, I think the way Proctor plays, I see him more as a strong safety, maybe playing in the box closer to the line of scrimmage. I think that's where he's most effective. Now, I will defend Proctor because that kid was played all over the field this year. You know, Bullet Sam, free safety. They used him a little bit at slot corner. He was used all over the place. Then... The Saturday that he was supposed to win the starting job back at free safety, he gets COVID and he's out. So 
I, I want to give Proctor a little bit of break there. The fits and starts of the season, he's moved around all over the place. I think if they go with two safeties, I would play him more in a, str- in a strong safety role closer to the line of scrimmage. So you got Banks, you got Proctor, I think are pretty locked in as starters. Chad, you mentioned Ronnie Hickman and Lathan Ransom, who flashed in limited duty this season. I think Lathan Ransom is probably your slot corner, if I had to take a guess. Ronnie Hickman could probably play that bullet Sam role. We just need more seasoning there. I'm with you, though, Paige. I think Day has to look to the transfer portal to find at least one veteran, quality veteran player in that secondary, whether it be a safety or somebody on the outside at corner, maybe preferably at, at outside corner. Cam Brown's coming off an Achilles injury, man. Tyreek Johnson, now he was supposed to be the guy, right? He's a junior. He was a former five-star. He's a bust. Marcus Hooker is unplayable. I don't think Marcus Williamson has any business starting in that secondary. And then beyond those names, we've got a lot of inexperience, a lot of questions. Legend Cavazos, love his name. Great name, but he was injured most of the season. He's a freshman. He hasn't played a single down. Ja'Kalen Johnson, Jordan Hancock, obviously great prospects, but they're true freshmen. True freshmen almost never come in and play right away at at uh, defensive back for Ohio State, but we'll see. So I think they do need to address Cam that Martinez. need. Cam Martinez, again, uh, just a name, a kid who didn't play a single snap this year. Uh, he's an athlete. We don't even know if he's a true corner, what, what position he's going to play. And that's why we desperately need a spring, right? We need a full spring. We need a spring game. Combs, I will defend Combs a little bit. He did not have a spring last year. He did not have the opportunity to really fully evaluate his personnel. I just want to talk real quick about the linebackers and then let's have a look at at the offense. The Buckeyes are going to lose all four of their top linebackers, Hilliard, Warner, Browning, Borland. They're all gone. Now, this would appear to open the door for Kayvon Pope, Dallas Gant, and Taraja Mitchell, who were all a part of the 2018 class, now heading into their fourth year with the program. None of them has done jack shit. I mean, none of them played significantly in 2020. Pope played 17 right. snaps. Gant played 79 snaps. We haven't had a chance. Mitchell played 95 snaps. Borland in there. Yeah, but but my the, the thing is, if you can play at Ohio State, you find the field. It doesn't matter where you, what class you're in, who you're playing behind. And what worries me is these kids now are going into their fourth year with the program. They haven't done anything. They haven't they haven't forced the coaching staff's hand to put them on the field. And that's what worries me. Now I hope I'm wrong about that. We've seen veteran Ohio State guys who haven't really done much in their first few years with the program suddenly flourish and blossom late in their careers. And I'm hoping that's what we see with a guy like Mitchell or Gant. Chad, you mentioned Court Williams, a lot of buzz around him during the offseason, but he's coming off a torn ACL, missed the entire season. So what can we realistically expect from Williams in 2021? Cody Simon is another player from the 2020 class. He was a top 100 player. Maybe he, as a sophomore, can take that next step and contribute this is another area where I think Day is probably going to look to the transfer portal guys for just a little help. I'm not saying he's going to go out and like, you know, bring in three kids out of the transfer portal, but I think he needs a little veteran help there. So I'm I'm actually sitting here looking at the transfer portal for cornerback. Uh-huh. Um, there's, uh huh. There's you know there's there's about two or three four stars out there that that haven't picked a place to go yet. Huh, and okay. one is this Tyreek Stevenson kid from uh, from Georgia. From Georgia, okay. So I, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're going back to linebackers. Speaking about, there's, I mean, I know you're not big on, and, and it very rarely does it happen. But there's a lot of talk about the incoming freshman Reed Carico getting time on the field mm, at linebacker. Yeah, I don't sure. know, man. I, I, it just never happens unless you're Andy Katzenmoyer, right? I mean, true freshmen never come in and make an impact at linebacker. I, I hope he can. I don't know, Rob. What are your thoughts there? What can we realistically expect from some of these young guys at linebacker? 
Well, Mitchell has flashed a lot, and I think you know he's had injury issues. Um, That's true. Which doesn't give us huge comfort, but he had hamstring issues last year, um, COVID stuff this year, so it's a continuity of of just getting out there. I I think the talent there. I think that Mitchell in particular has uh, the ability to to really take a step up, and and there have been reports out of practice that he has done very very well, and it was just a matter of time supplanting some of these you know, senior guys that were in front of him, but I, I, I'm I'm more bullish on Mitchell than than you know some of the other guys. I do think Pope and Gant will will come alive, but I I have got pretty big expectations of Mitchell. I think he's he's actually going to be a, a very athletic, very fast, and you know a guy that's going to come in and and produce and. All right. Give it all. Well, I'll be very happy to be wrong about Taraja Mitchell. I, I hope that's the case. Paige, you got any thoughts on the Ohio State linebackers? No, I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the... <laughs> I mean, it's been four years. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to dump on them. Um, you know, watching uh, poor Borland run behind Devontae Smith will probably be in my brain forever. But... <laughs> v, I am seeing a lot of big time linebackers in the transfer portal that have not made decisions a lot. Wow. So, so I have a I have a weird off color question. If if you enter the so there's like 900 kids in the transfer portal right now, right? If you enter the portal and you don't get picked up, does that mean that you for you don't get a scholarship next year? I believe it's just an announcement of your intent and uh, you still have a home. Uh, if you want to stay your team. Now, I think it's pretty odd when you walk back into that locker room and say, yeah. you know, right, hey, yeah. I was, uh, you know, it's like, it's like going, you know, dating somebody, then going to the bar looking for something else. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's a odd situation. Right. You come back home, but, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think this, this, it's going to be silly season this year with the transfer portal and yeah. the amount of movement around, the NCAA, I, I, you know, we're sitting here trying to judge what next year is like. I think it's going to get, there will be a lot of, you know, teams that are just going to get flipped sideways by guys, uh, you know, just moving all over the place. Yeah. And hopefully we're not one of them, uh, at least in a negative. There, there are a, a lot of names in that transfer portal. I can't imagine all those kids are going to find new homes, right? Just given the, the volume and also the fact that everyone who played this season is granted an additional year of eligibility. If they want to come back, that could really mess things up for, for some kids who are hoping to transfer out. It is going to be an interesting off season. I agree with you, Rob. There's a lot, uh, a lot of pawns yet to, you know, to, to move around the chessboard. So I guess it is a little bit futile to try and project out at this point, what Ohio state's going to look like. Look, the transfer portal has been very good to us. And, and I expect that Ohio state is still going to be a huge beneficiary of the portal this off season. We're all doing this under the lens of getting our asses kicked by Alabama, right? right. And, and, you know, so they're going to be fine, right? They're going to win. You know, it's just like may, maybe, you know, we're just sort of overreacting because that's the last thing we saw. Right. But maybe we just saw like, I mean, clearly Smith is maybe the best wide receiver I've ever seen in college. Right. And so, yeah, he lit us up. Okay, fine. Let me see the guy do it again next year. Right. right. Well, he'll be in the NFL next year. Yeah. 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 By, by the way, that Bama team, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Christian Barmore, Patrick Sertain have all already declared for the draft. Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, Najee Harris, and Dylan Moses all participated in Bama senior day. They're not expected back. 
And I don't think anybody's expecting Devontae Smith to return. I mean, come on. He's it's just a matter of time before he announces. Steve Sarkeesian, he's off to Texas now. So look, Bama's Bama. They'll be contenders again in 2021 because they're just a, you know, they're a they're a machine. But I'm sorry, you don't lose the winners of the Heisman, Bolitnikoff, Outland, Davy O'Brien, Doak Walker, and Remington Awards and get better. So Bama's they're, they're not, I would not expect right. the same Bama juggernaut next season. I think it's wide open. You look at Clemson too, right? Trevor Lawrence is gone. Travis Etienne is gone. Now, Georgia is going to be good, I think. They figured out their quarterback situation. They bring a lot of guys back. I think Oklahoma is going to be very good. Alex Grinch kind of figured things out for them defensively. They were a pretty good defense. They've got a good quarterback. But man, Ohio State's going to be right in the thick of this, uh, in, in yeah, my view. I, I th- Right. And like you guys said earlier, I think you give Combs like the, you know, the guy's never been a defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, like, you know, I think, you know, not having a spring and I've been one of the biggest, you know, uh, complainers about honeycombs like all year. Cause like, <laughs> I just felt like they didn't know what the hell we were doing back there, but you know, I'm going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt and not be negative Nancy and let him do good through a spring. And, you know, and because we got the talent, so yeah, I, I think we're we're, we're going to be all right. I, I agree. I think Combs definitely deserves the benefit of the doubt for sure. I mean, I don't think what we saw was a Greg Schiano like performance out of Combs as a coach. Just too many extenuating circumstances. Rob, what do you think? Do you think you think Combs deserves the benefit of the doubt, or do you have concerns about him as a defensive coordinator? Well, I, I think you have to be concerned just because of what happened, um, and not just against. Alabama, mind you, right. um, you know, Indiana right. carved this up. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think you, you have to have it a little bit of a step back and say, what happened? Why are you 122? It wasn't just because of the Alabama game. It was because a lot of teams carved this up. And so it'd be unwise just to, to just say, you know, it was a tough year. It was COVID. We did kids in practice. Now that clearly added into it. But, uh, and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, as you said, and let's see what happens with the spring practice. Let's see what happens with having all your defense installed and what you can do. Uh, You know, the guy can recruit like crazy and that's part of the, part of the the solution as well. So it all comes together. I'm willing to give him another shot, uh, but I do think that we make, make sure that everything proceeds in the correct direction and it doesn't backflip like the Shiana years did, you know, in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> See, can I say one more thing sure. about that, this whole situation? Cause like after like listening to RE, like I almost feel like I, I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Cause you remember when we were like all sitting around, like what in the hell is going on with Shiano? Like, you know what, let's just get the fastest kids out there and let him chase the ball. And then you started, like we saw Browning coming. You like, like Hastley's defense, dude. That was, I feel like Combs is just trying to make it too difficult for these kids with yeah, some of these schemes. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I know you made that point earlier and maybe that's, that's, that's true. I don't know. Look, he's, you know, Kerry, Kerry Combs didn't have Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller. And that that's also why Halfley looks so good is when you got Chase Young and, and, you know, a sh- two shutdown corners and an eraser at safety. Ohio State did not have that personnel this year. They just did not. So it, I think it is some personnel. I think they do need to reevaluate this cover three single high safety shell, which is Ryan Day's defense. It's Ryan Day who insists on playing this defense. I think it's that, that that's the Legion of Boom Seattle 
defense that uh, the day is borrowing from, but it's predicated on having an elite pass rusher, shut down corners, and a great eraser at safety. And unless Ohio State has can find those components next season, maybe it's time to think about scheme. Okay, so let's have a quick look at the offense and then I'll let you guys go. If what we're hearing comes to fruition, that all the guys that we expect to be back come back, the Ohio State starting offensive line is going to be very good. You're looking at Munford and NPF as your starting tackles. Harry Miller moves to his more natural position at center with Matthew Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. holding down the guard spots. Guys, that's a pretty damn good offensive line right there. Oh, my. One of the best in the country. I think they're sitting pretty at oh. the offensive line. Now, we know they're going to be very green at quarterback with C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and then incoming freshman Kyle McCord battling for that starting job. That should be a really fun quarterback battle to watch this offseason, guys. One reason to tune in and watch the spring game. That should be really fun. But Ryan Day has a pretty good track record at turning first-year starting quarterbacks into stars, right? I mean, he did it with Dwayne Haskins. He did it with Justin Fields. So I have a lot of faith there in, in the development that can happen, assuming, of course, we get a full spring, full fall practices and so forth. We know Ohio State's going to be loaded at receiver. Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, G. Scott, incoming freshman Emeka Egbuka. And we expect the running game to be great again with the arrival of Trevion Henderson and Evan Pryor. And of course, we don't want to leave out our guy, the, the bowling ball, Mayan Williams. Yeah, so he'll factor into the running game as well. Paige, I want to kick this to you. What are your expectations of the Ohio State offense in 2021? They're through the roof, man. I mean, you just went through it. Uh, uh, and I, I would, the, the one thing going back to the Alabama game, the one thing that bummed me out is I didn't see them try and stretch the field with Alave. Yeah. And, um, but okay, I don't want to rehash that. Uh, I hope he goes pro, um, but I love that guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're obviously stacked at, wide receiver we're stacked everywhere the big question is you know who's going to be the quarterback yeah um but like you said day's got a great track record he's got three guys to choose from um there is absolutely no reason in the world to think that's not a top five offense next year with all the weapons they have coming back all right rob what are you expecting from the high state offense in 2021 I mean, honestly, it's, it's hard not to add, to, to add anything to that. Um, the offensive line is going to allow you to do a lot of special things. Uh, getting Mumford back is gigantic and, uh, particularly for uh, a new quarterback. And I'm excited for the quarterback situation. I think you've got three prospects that, and watching them fight it out and which one it's going to be is going to be, it's going to be fun. So, and obviously this, this wide receiver room is ridiculously talented. Uh, there's really no drop off there. And I, I'm, you know, just get only problem is we only have one football for those wideouts. That's pretty <laughs> much the only problem. <laughs> All right, Chad, how about you? Even with Alave leaving, the, what we have at wide receiver and who we have coming in, we've never had a better wide receiver crew in since I can remember. Hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I think, well, all, everything I've been reading is like Henderson is a, is a beast and he's going to come in and Master King will not be starting next year. I, I think it'll be a, the true freshman. Henderson um, getting a majority of the carries by the time, you know, you get through the first couple games. I think he's going to be the starter. And like you guys said, the offensive line, I mean, geez. Yeah, I'm so excited to watch Paris Johnson. I did not to take anything away from NPF and Mumford and all those guys. Cause like, I mean, that's a given, but. You guys remember seeing that pancake that uh, Paris Johnson had in that Clemson game? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and the quarterback thing, I'll give that back. You know, that's going to be, you know, Jack Miller was handpicked by, by day back in like from way, early on. And you saw him get in first in the, in like in the middle of the season, but then Stroud seemed to be the one to go in, you know, first when needed after that. So, yeah. and then the court, of course, the baller, man, that kid's got all of the, uh, the quarterback you know, everything you want from a quarterback. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited about this offense, man. It's going to be electric. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think you've pretty much said it all. Quarterback battle, I I don't have uh, any recent memory. I mean, the, when was the last time we had three kids this talented, all with a legitimate shot at winning that position? I, I, I mean, Kyle McCord, he comes in. I, I know he's only a true freshman, but Stroud Miller barely played. So I don't know that either has much of an edge uh, over McCord uh, in that regard, McCord I would think would would have uh, a great chance of winning that job. So very exciting, right? Uh, great, you know, it, it's a great reason to tune in and and watch what's happening in spring. Watch that spring game, and it's really nice. Whoever becomes the starter, it's a great luxury to have an elite offensive line, playmakers on the outside that they have, and then a home run hitter. I agree with you, Chad. Trayvon Anderson is a home run hitter at running back. That dude has got big play capability, breakaway speed, and uh, I, I cannot wait to watch him and, and also a little bit of Evan Pryor. You know, the one thing that, that Ohio State's offense, I think, was missing was I, I was just watching Jalen Waddle for Bama. Now, I know it was, I, first of all, I don't, I can't believe that, that kid attempted to play in that game, but he did have a couple of catches. Um, and then just kind of watching him earlier in the year before the injury, Ohio State is missing kind of that Paris Campbell waddle type player, right? A guy that, you know, you could throw a little pop bass to. He's got great short area quickness, breakaway speed, and can turn a, you know, a short five-yard gain into a, you know, a 50-yard touchdown. They see a lot of the receivers, they have, they all kind of seem to be the same type of receiver. And they don't have that that H-back type guy that maybe he also doubles as a kick returner, right? And, and has that big playability. I wonder if Evan Pryor, could be that player for them. Or if there's somebody, Emeka Ibuka, somebody like that comes in and provides that that other weapon with this year's offense. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that develops. What about Gee Scott Jr.? Let's not forget about him. Yeah, but he might be a, he's a cut, from the, cut from the same cloth, though, as a Julian Fleming and even a Jameis Williams, a big dude, you know, big physical wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a name to watch as well. And we'll see... Uh, uh, we'll see if all these kids are actually with the program after the after the spring game. I, I wonder if we're going to see any receivers transfer out. I'll bet. I don't know what would you set the over under at at uh, receivers who transfer out after the spring. Well, game? one already left, right? Yeah, Mookie Cooper's already Mookie. gone. Yeah, Mookie. Yeah, Mookie. On that point, V, you're going to see two. You're going to probably see two quarterbacks transfer out because you've got. Kyle McCord, and then you have next year coming in the the number Ewers. one overall recruit of Ohio State of all time, and Quinn Ewers coming in. So. Yeah, that's a good sign, I guess. In the end, when you're losing players to transfers, uh, it means that you've got a lot of healthy competition with some great, great players. You look at the college football and the turnover of talent, and you're losing guys, which guys stay. Uh, I think one of the biggest concerns that that I had was Urban Meyer getting hired to Jacksonville, what effect that would have oh, on right. some of the guys at Ohio State. And so, 
<clears throat> Mark Mantoni is a guy that I mean, the director of player personnel at Ohio State. He's the guy that's out there looking for these high school players, and his value to this program cannot be understated. Right. And then Mickey Marotti is another you know strength and conditioner uh, guy. Uh, so those are two guys that Urban brought with him right straight away when he came to Ohio State, and I think there was concern that they may be following him to Jacksonville, and that is not happening. Which I it, it, I don't think that can be understated. Uh, yeah. Having a staff right. that and and it's a testament to, to Urban Meyer too that he's not going in and raiding his uh, his former program. And I know Ryan Stamper is following him to Jacksonville, but that's it. And he and Urban has said so uh, that he is not looking at anybody else at Ohio State. So that's another uh, kind of great that's piece cool. with some of the things that was happening out here yeah. that uh, we're not going to look at some staffing departures uh, following Urban to Jacksonville. Well, and that's another huge benefit, yeah. I think, going into this season. There's stability in that coaching staff, which you know you can't be understated. Chad, go ahead. You're going to make a point? I was just gonna. I was glad that uh, Re brought up Stamper. Um, you know, I was reading some uh, some stuff, and you know, it's somebody we never talk about, but like you know, he's an assistant athletic director, you know, player development. I saw a couple of the the younger guys were like, oh, this one, you know, this one's gonna hurt having Stamper because I think he's a pretty solid team. But you know, having uh, Pantone and, and Mariotti back, it's huge. Yeah, um, like like Re said. Yeah, I mean, you you make the national championship game, and the only guy you lose off your staff is Stamper. I mean, usually you make it this far as a program, you expect you know big losses, and your your assistants want to go in and cash in on that, right? So the fact that they're the only look guy they lost game. is Stamper. Look at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, look at Sarkeesian. I mean, that's a big, that's a big blow. Cincinnati loses Freeman, you know, so it's like you have successful years and guys leave. So um, that's it. I, it was again more optimism for the program again. Is there any chance that Sarkeesian can get those those two five star that quarterback and that wide receiver to go to Texas? I think you're crazy. So I've been it's possible. Yeah. So I, well, I've been reading. Burton says there's no chance he's committed to Ohio State. He's not leaving. He's not even going to listen. Now Ewers is saying the same thing, but you never know yeah. what what can happen. What kind of staff he puts together down there, you know? But I mean, everything I'm reading, they're like 100 percent committed, you know. But hmm. We'll, see. well, I think that this season is well, pretty huge, right? Because you have to look at what Ohio State does with their quarterback situation. If one of these kids emerges and is a world beater, right, a Heisman candidate, that might deter viewers from, from coming to Columbus. And if Sarkeesian has a really good first year at Texas, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Paige. I, I, I think uh, that yeah, that is far from over, that recruiting. It is that far recruiting. from over <laughs> that that kid ends up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In Columbus. Yeah. I would color me concerned about that one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, we are right at about an hour. Why don't we uh, wrap things up here? It's going to be a very eventful off season, I think. So let's plan yeah. to reconvene in a few weeks to have a second look at Ohio State's off season. been listening to the south stands a buckeye football podcast you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com